This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. The more I consider what has just gone down this week with the presidential election, the more convinced I am that the most important thing for the Republican Party to do at the moment is exactly what it's doing, which is fighting back. I don't know about you, but I get a little bit frustrated when there is just so much on the line. And this has happened on numerous occasions, whether or not it was the impeachment hoax or some of the lying media stories that came out or outrageous things that the left was doing. And so many times in the course of my life, I have watched GOP leaders just sit there and Well, we want to be bipartisan. Didn't happen during the impeachment hoax, not so much during the Trump years. But prior to the Trump years, we would see a lot of that. We just want to be bipartisan and we want to work together with the other side. And meanwhile, the other side is just grabbing everything it can possibly take. And they don't care. They don't care about being bipartisan. They don't care about working together with the other side. Those days are long gone. These people are take no prisoners. And they're showing their hand now. And I agree with Raheem Kassan, who made a really important observation that I saw yesterday. And it was this. This isn't just election fraud. This is the greatest election scam perpetrated on the American people ever. And I have to say that I concur with that. I concur with that. This is not just a matter of, oh, okay, wink, wink, nod, nod, let's find a couple of extra votes and tack it on to the tally and let's take this right. I mean, this is so far beyond that. So let me bring you up to speed a little bit on the latest. President Trump's campaign has now filed lawsuits in Pennsylvania and in Michigan, as AP says, laying the groundwork for contesting the outcome in states that could determine whether or not he gets another four years in the White House. The new filings join existing Republican legal challenges in Pennsylvania and Nevada, and they demand better access for campaign observers to locations where ballots are being processed and counted. However, at one Michigan location in question, the Associated Press observed poll watchers from both sides monitoring on Wednesday. Here's what's uh, absolutely unbelievable. And maybe you saw this in Michigan, in Detroit, they had a ballot counting center where they were putting cardboard on the windows and cheering when GOP attorneys were escorted out of the building. Yeah, this is really fair. This is a terrific system we've got going here. So they are fighting back. And not just that, but the Trump campaign declared victory in Pennsylvania. This is hilarious if you think about it. Uh, Trump is now getting regularly edited and shut down and censored by Twitter. But he put out on Twitter, we have claimed for electoral vote purposes, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which won't allow legal observers, the state of Georgia and the state of North Carolina, each one of which has a big Trump lead. Additionally, we hereby claim the state of Michigan, if in fact... 
there was a large number of secretly dumped ballots, as has been widely reported. So, of course, the news media went absolutely insane. He can't do that. He can't say that. He can't unilaterally declare himself the winner of these states. Well, Here's a question for you. Why is it that the news media can regularly do it like Fox News did on Tuesday night when Arizona was called for Biden when there were like three votes in? I think the Babylon Bee actually did a story making fun of that, saying, you know, Fox called with one vote in. (laughs) I called it for Biden. I mean, it's a joke. But why is the news media qualified? Oh, they have charts. They have systems. They have very complicated graphics. You just don't understand what they're doing behind the scenes at Fox News nowadays. Yeah, okay. Even ABC News put Arizona back in the non-committed category yesterday because they were not sure whether or not it would actually go to Trump or go to Biden because you have some 600,000 votes, I think, that are still being counted. And a lot of these are Republicans, so they want to make sure that they don't get it wrong. And Fox News thus far is not retracting its calling Arizona for Biden. So that's where we are right now. And I don't really blame Trump for asserting himself. Can you imagine what it would be like after four years of what he's put up with from the left? It's absolutely mind-blowing, the stuff that he has had to put up with. So in Philadelphia yesterday, there was a press conference with the Trump team. Eric Trump, the son of the president, Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York, and also the personal attorney for the president, and and several others were there. I want to play some of these comments. First, let's listen to what Eric Trump had to say. Cut one. We've declared victory in Pennsylvania. We're up by 400,000 votes with 86% of the precincts in 86 percent we have republican votes still coming in from trump country and the democrats know that the only way that they can win this election is to cheat in pennsylvania and we've seen it from day one we've seen it from day one we found ballots in drainage ditches they're not letting our poll watchers watch the polls they're not letting them inside there's video after video of them passing out collateral material in polling sites all over philadelphia they're trying to cheat they're trying to cheat they have Three by five printed big posters in polling locations all over the city saying to vote for Biden and Harris, which is totally illegal. They're passing out flyers. The supervisors of elections, we have them on video, certain ones wearing literally Biden, Harris face masks in polling locations, which is totally illegal. And now they won't let. And we brought one great gentleman here with us today, Jeremy, who's a poll watcher down at the convention center. They won't even let him watch as they count the ballots. They put them behind a fence, 40, 50 yards away, where they actually can't see the counting happening. Guys, this is fraud. This is absolute fraud. We've seen it in Philadelphia before. They're trying to make a mockery of the election of this country. My father is up by almost half a million votes in this state with 86% reported and plenty of red counties left to go. Plenty of red counties left to go. We're going to win Pennsylvania, but they're trying to cheat us out of it because they know it's their only path to victory. Isn't that incredible? How come we're not hearing that kind of information coming from the mainstream media? You want to venture a guess? Rudy Giuliani also weighed in talking about all of the fraud that he's observed. This is cut to. It is very, very sad that we're here in the city that's uh, really the birthplace of our democracy. And this is among one of the most anti-democratic things I've ever seen or encountered. 
And it's not just here in, 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 Phil, in Philadelphia. This is going on all over the country. Uh, we have filed a lawsuit. The lawsuit actually required that when these mail-in ballots that you know are highly suspicious anyway, this form of balloting has always been considered the most prone to fraud. That's according to the New York Times when it didn't apply to candidate President Trump. Well, we were supposed to be allowed by law to observe the counting of the ballots. Now, observe means to any intelligent person being able to look at it. The way it's interpreted by the Democrat crooked machine of Philadelphia is that the observers can be 20 or 30 feet away, never able to see the ballot itself, never able to see if it was properly postmarked, properly addressed, properly signed on the outside. All the things that often lead to disqualification of ballots or make it very easy to dump 50,000 totally fraudulent ballots because they're not observed. This went on for 20 hours while all of you thought there was some kind of legitimate count going on here in Philadelphia. It was totally illegitimate. Unreal. Really crazy. Now, according to Bloomberg, President Trump's campaign has now moved to intervene in this pending U.S. Supreme Court clash over late arriving mail ballots in Pennsylvania. They want to enlist the Supreme Court's help in this disputed election. And the filing is seeking to block an unspecified number of ballots, but potentially tens of thousands of them that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said would count as long as they were mailed by Tuesday and arrived by Friday. Now the court is asking Pennsylvania Democrats to respond by 5 p.m. to Trump's request to take part in the case. So we'll see where that goes. But it's incredible corruption, absolutely incredible corruption. Fighting back has never been more important. We're going to come back right after this. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis who are choosing between life and death for their preborn babies. Meet Sophie. At 22 weeks pregnant, Sophie was pressured by her mother and boyfriend to terminate her pregnancy. After meeting with a preborn counselor, she found the love and support she needed. After I had that first soldier sound and I saw her and I was looking at the pictures over and over and over again, that's when I decided I was going to stand up to my mother and tell her, no, I can't do an abortion. Sophie chose life and now she's awaiting the birth of her baby girl. Every day, Preborn is on the front lines fighting Planned Parenthood to help young moms just like Sophie to choose life. For a gift of $140 today, you can help to rescue five babies' lives. And now through a matching gift, your gift will be doubled, rescuing 10 babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. 
programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. 855-565-2561. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We are back. What a week so far, huh? Incredible what's going on. The president's campaign has now filed lawsuits in both Pennsylvania and Michigan. There are also Republican legal fights going on in Pennsylvania and Nevada over this mail-in ballot fraud that is taking place. It's so blatant. Here's a perfect example of this. Texas Scorecard had reported this yesterday. A new video provided to that site from a poll watcher in Detroit showed wagons, suitcases, and coolers moving in and out of a vote-counting center. (laughs) This is a video. You can watch this online. It was taken by a Texas lawyer who's a member of Lawyers for Trump. And if you watch this video, you'll see this white van is parked in front of this location at 2.40 a.m. A box is taken out of the van and placed into a red wagon, which is then pulled inside the facility. Kelly Sorrell, this lawyer, is raising alarms that the box may have been a ballot box that arrived long after all ballots were expected to have been received at the county facility. Other images appear to show suitcases and coolers moving in and out of the secure area where mail-in ballots were being counted during a shift change at 4 a.m. And this lawyer says that apparently visitors were able to enter and leave the facility where the votes were being counted without any ID. Isn't that amazing? Hey, whatever happened to COVID? I know the CDC said even if you have COVID, you can vote, proving that this was never about a pandemic for these people ever, ever, ever. Keep this in your head. Anytime they talk about science, anytime they talk about the dangers of COVID and Trump is responsible for 200,000 plus plus deaths, just keep in mind that the CDC said if you have COVID-19, you just go ahead and vote in person. It doesn't matter. You know, what do you say to all of this? And here's the hilarious part in a bad way. Mark Brewer, who's a former state Democratic chairman, who said he was observing the Detroit vote counting as a volunteer lawyer. This is via AP, said he had been at the TCF Center in Detroit all day and had talked with others who had been there the past couple of days. He said Republicans had not been denied access. There's video on the Internet of people cheering in this facility as the GOP lawyers are escorted out. Are you kidding me? And listen to this quote from this guy. This is the best absentee ballot counting operation that Detroit has ever had. Wow, it looks like you have a pretty low bar going on in Detroit where you're putting cardboard up in the windows because that's completely normal. Why in the world wouldn't you put cardboard up in the windows when you are doing all kinds of crazy things behind closed doors with the mail-in ballots? Like I said, you got to fight back. Now, I was playing for you earlier part of the audio from the press conference conducted by Eric Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and other, uh, other people, Pam Bondi, a bunch of other people who were 
fighting for the legal right to be able to observe properly what is going on with the mail-in ballots and to ensure that these votes are all counted and everything is on the up and up. I want to play a little bit more of those comments from Rudy Giuliani. This is cut three. So we went back to court and we went before a Democrat judge. No need to tell you what the result in Philadelphia is if you're before a Democrat judge. Obviously a political hack who doesn't know the meaning of the word observe. Observe means to be able to look. Not a single Republican has been able to look at any one of these mail ballots. They could be from Mars, as far as we're concerned. Or they could be from the Democratic National Committee. Joe Biden could have voted 50 times, as far as we know, or 5,000 times. The ballots could be from Camden. Philadelphia, unfortunately, and I would say this about my own city, has a reputation for voter fraud. You have a reputation for dead people voting, and we're going to go look at just how many dead people voted here. I didn't think we'd have to do that, but we will. And you have a reputation for people being busted in from Camden voting here. Wouldn't be the first time that happened. But this goes way beyond any of that. And let me also add that this isn't happening just here. We have exactly the same lawsuit in Wisconsin where exactly the same thing happened. Except in Wisconsin, mysteriously, at 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, about 120,000 ballots appeared. <laughs> oh, here come these ballots. Amazing, isn't it? Now, what is the condition of these ballots that magically appeared? Again, this is Rudy Giuliani, cut four. We have no idea if they're signed, if they're postmarked properly, if it isn't just the same person who submitted 100,000 ballots, and they all got counted. This is the way they intend to win. Now I'm informed by former Congressman Sweeney, who's been going around the country collecting this information, that similar situation in Arizona, similar situation in Nevada, and a similar situation, what am I missing, John? Where are you? In, in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan. Again, let me be specific what it is. This whole new thing that never happened before in our country, these mail-in ballots, which has been a cause of real concern for everyone because they can easily be fraudulent. Well, one of the things that the law attaches to that is the right for both parties to observe the ballot, the way we do with absentee ballots. You make certain it's properly signed, On the outside, there's a signature. You make sure that it's properly postmarked. You make sure it, you make sure that it's uh, properly addressed. And then you pass on it. A number of these are often challenged by the Democrat representative or the Republican representative. (laughs) We never got a chance to look at a single one of them. The gentleman here who was, who who did this for us says about 100,000 ballots went through that process in the 20 plus hours in which they wasted his time by not allowing him to see a single ballot. You'd think this would be a story that the media might be more interested in, but they're not. They're not interested in this the way they weren't interested in Hunter Biden and the laptop and the emails and Tony Bobolinsky. And now nah, we don't really care about any of that. No, nah, nah, no interest. No interest. I'll tell you what, it's not just a matter of journalism being dead. It's a matter of journalism being the enemy of this country. I really believe that as a former journalist myself, I don't know how these people sleep at night. I really don't. And I know not every single person in the journalism industry is of that ilk, but they're barely hanging on probably with by the tips of their fingernails to their careers and probably kicking themselves for not going into business. Unreal. So let's go to this particular 
uh, tidbit here. John Daniel Davidson over at The Federalist has a piece. Yes, Democrats are trying to steal the election in Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And I will mention as an aside that the Trump campaign also demanded a full recount in Wisconsin. So that's another thing that's going on. There's so many states. There's so many moving parts to all this. And I don't want to overwhelm you with everything, but that's part of the piece as well. Now, listen to this. We had talked about this yesterday, the fact that all of a sudden you had all of these votes materialize in Michigan overnight and Trump got zero and Biden got all of them, over 138,000 votes. Sean Davis, who's the editor over at The Federalist, had tweeted this out and Twitter was censoring it, of course. Um, And they were talking on Twitter about the fact that this was partisan. Of course it is. But the social media giant maintained its crackdown on sharing the information. Twitter users couldn't like or share a tweet, for example, from the Daily Wire's Matt Walsh, noting this 138,000 vote dump. BuzzFeed later reported that according to a spokesman at Decision Desk HQ, the votes for Biden were the result of a data error. Oh, from a file created by the state that we ingested. When the state noticed the error, quote unquote, it updated its count, which somehow gave 138,000 votes to Biden and zero to Trump. It turns out the vote dump was the result of an alleged typo, an extra zero that had been tacked onto Biden's vote total in one of the counties. It seems the error was discovered only because Sean Davis and other Twitter users noted how insane and suspicious the vote totals looked and demanded an investigation that uncovered what was either a typo or an incredibly clumsy attempt to boost Biden's vote count. And there was also something suspicious about the vote reporting in Antrim County, Michigan, where Trump beat Hillary by 30 points in 2016. Initial vote totals there showed Biden ahead of Trump by 29 points, a result that can't possibly be accurate, as a lot of journalists actually noted. After the strange results caught national attention, election officials in Antrim County said they were investigating what they called skewed results, working with the company that provides their election software to see what went wrong. The county clerk said they plan to have an answer by uh, soon. Let's just say soon. Then another mysterious all Biden vote dump happened in Wisconsin. Biden miraculously overcame a 4.1 point Trump lead in the middle of the night, thanks to vote dumps in which he got 100 percent of the votes and Trump got zero. People were pointing out on social media, rightly, I think, look, Even in banana republics that have been doing this kind of stuff for decades, even they don't go 100% because that would be too obvious. What you do is you have the the dictator get 90% or like 92%. So it kind of looks like it maybe could have happened organically. They don't come up with 100%. I mean, these banana republic imitators here and the Democrat Party really need to work on their on their corruption because they're they're just showing their hand too much. I mean, you got to have a little bit of finesse if you're going to be completely corrupt, right? But this is what's going on in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what really, really troubles me about it. It's, of course, all of the standard stuff, which is corruption and lying and stealing and, and just having no character whatsoever. But it's more than that. These people are playing fast and loose with the greatest country in the world. This is a country unlike any other country in world history. And I've made this point many, many times, but we have a precious jewel of a country and we are just destroying it. Maybe not you, maybe not me, but these people who are trying to do all of this nonsense as if it's just a big game, don't even understand what they are destroying. 
It's like a little kid taking a Ming vase and just using it as a football one day. Ah, I'm just going to take this, hurl it across the room and smash it into the wall. Who cares? I never liked that thing anyway. Okay, that was worth $50,000 or whatever it is. That's from an ancient Ming dynasty. Uh, that thing is irreplaceable. Ah, so what? I mean, that's pretty much what I think about when I'm looking at what the left is trying to do to this country and all of these millions of people going along with it, some so young and so unfamiliar with Marxism that they don't even really know what they're doing. And shame on them. Shame on everybody who is going along with this because every American, regardless of political party, ought to be up in arms at corruption of this magnitude. Fight back. We'll be back. Stay with us. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. For more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Years ago, I remember having a disagreement with a coworker over, of all things, an advertisement. The advertisement was for L'Oreal with that famous tagline, because I'm worth it. And my coworker thought that was a great line. I argued that it was selfish and egocentric to talk that way, even if it was just a motto to sell hair coloring. But I guess I lost in the long run because we're now living in an unabashedly self-absorbed culture for whom that tagline actually was perfect. As my next guest argues, though, a culture that gives people a license to be selfish is actually destroying our nation. From where did this selfishness arise? How has it affected evangelicalism? And what is the remedy for turning this selfish culture around? We're going to tackle it all today with former pastor and college president, Dr. Paul Brownback. He is the author of the book we'll be discussing called Licensing Selfishness, the Secular and Evangelical Ideology Destroying America. Dr. Brownback, great to have you with us. How are you? Thank you, Janet. Great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you here. You say that this ideology of selfishness has become the predominant element of contemporary American culture. Why do you think that is? What's gone wrong in our culture that we have so much selfishness all around us? Well, it's hard for probably most of your listeners to believe, but uh, Scripture tells us that Satan comes as an angel of light. And so we might expect him to use what sounds to be really, really good to destroy us. And he's been doing that. And the, the concept uh, that I write about is one that uh, our secular culture and the evangelical culture has come to embrace. In fact, it is the hallmark of both our secular society and contemporary evangelical society. And that is the concept of unconditional love and acceptance. Mm, yeah. And uh, that has become the the theme of uh, countless sermons and books and what have you, and people embrace that as gospel truth 
And uh, I contend that that is the source of the selfishness that is permeating both secular society and our evangelical churches today. Oh, I think you're spot on about that. Well, let's tackle the secular realm first when you're talking about this problem of unconditional love and acceptance, and you kind of combine it with this self-absorption that we're all kind of swimming in all the time. This goes back, obviously, to the 1960s. We have a lot of this hippie, this love stuff going on in the 1960s, and there's been a long trail to getting here, but what would you highlight have been some of the low points that got secular culture to the point where unconditional love and acceptance is is kind of the bellwether idea that everybody's pointing to all the time. Well, as you suggested, uh, the hippie generation was known as the love generation. And uh, in fact, if we're talking about agape love, it was just the opposite. It was a selfishness generation. And as its hallmark, it had two predominant cliches. The first one is, if it feels good, do it. Yep. And that, that is a tremendously powerful concept because, in essence, what it's doing is it's saying that reason will not be our guide to life. We will no longer be living rationally, but we'll be living subjectively based on our feelings. And, yeah. and that impacts everything. And then they had the other cliche that, that flows out of that, and that is, you have a right to do your own thing. Hmm. And, and what, what's so interesting is how those two connect. If, if feelings is the basis for our perception on reality, I can only feel my feelings. Right. And therefore, on that basis, I'm the only real person. Hmm. Everybody else is merely an object on the monitor of my mind. Right. And uh, because of that... Uh, I only need to think of myself. I can, I not only can, but I'm obligated to live totally selfishly because I'm the only real person. Yes. Yeah. And then it kind of morphed over the years, this subjectivism of if it feels good, do it and do your own thing, that kind of self-absorbed mentality. And now you have people saying, it's my truth. They've moved this whole subjectivity over into the realm of objective objective truth that we ought to all recognize as human beings who can see and hear, presumably. And they're saying, I have my truth. You have your truth. I I mean, why has it gone to that level, do you think? Was it just unchecked along the way and people bought into these stair steps of bad ideas, bringing us to where we are now? Well, what happened is, first of all, the hippie movement only lasted about five years. And, uh, and the reason for that is, obviously, uh, you can't live according to those concepts. If it feels good, do it, and you have a right to do your own thing. Well, uh, society's going to fall apart, and that's what actually happened out in Haight-Ashbury in, this, in 67 and, and Woodstock in 69 and so forth. It was, it was a total degeneration of society, and we saw that up in the in uh, Seattle and their, their little community they had up there, and that fell apart in days. Yep. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. Well, why would, why would rational, intelligent people buy into something like that? And, and the answer is uh, the dominant psychologist in, in the recent half century in American history is a man by the name of Carl Rogers. Yes. Now, he doesn't have the same recognition as Sigmund Freud, but people who are familiar with 
psychology, many of them would say he is the most influential person uh, in our society. He's passed away now, but uh, but extremely influential. And uh, what he did is take that hippie philosophy, that hippie ideology, and put it into psychological language. And not only that, because he's a psychologist, because he put it into psychological language, he claimed that if if we lived on that basis, uh, it would actually lead to success. Hmm. And our society believed him. And 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 the core of what he taught was this unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing that anybody would really believe that if you do everything in your own self-interest, that that wouldn't have a rippling effect on the rest of society. We can't live for ourselves. No society can function if everybody, first and foremost, is worried about himself. How in the world would we have all the things that we need in life? Well, again, to understand why people did buy into that, you have to understand the, the theory of Carl Rogers. He he uh, began with the concept of of what he called the self actualizing tendency. He he believed that just like squirrels and deer have this internal drive to lead them to fulfillment, so human beings have the same thing. Uh, the problem that humans have is they have this blockage. Humans need to experience acceptance by significant others. Right. And um, so if that acceptance is granted conditionally, instead of being guided by the self-actualizing tendency, this internal GPS that he postulated that we all have, uh, we're guided by those conditions of acceptance. Uh, I'll live the way mom and dad want me to live uh, so I can be accepted by them. And from his perspective, that leads to ruin. Wow. But if if we are accepted unconditionally, and we can accept ourselves unconditionally, we can feel good about ourselves regardless of how we live. And as a result of that, uh, that frees us to be guided by our self-actualizing tendency, and uh, that will carry us to becoming, in his terms, fully functioning people or successful. Wow. So... His, his whole deal is that unconditional acceptance uh, is the key to uh, a fulfilling life, is the key to, to optimizing our life. And as a result of, uh, of his theory, unconditional acceptance has become the, the sole uh, morality, the sole moral principle of our society. To accept is always good, not to accept is always bad. And we see this playing out in everything from uh, abortion to the transgender movement and, and beyond. You're right. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back discussing the book Licensing Selfishness. Dr. Paul Brownback, my guest, and we'll be right back on Janet Meffer today.
This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. Mabel walks 18 miles to church every Sunday. She lives in Zimbabwe, where churches are widely scattered in remote regions of this African country. That's one reason why she travels so far. The other reason she walks nine miles each way is that the gospel has truly captured her heart. After coming to faith in Jesus Christ, Mabel reads and studies her Bible, and she's discovered that the gospel is meant to be shared with others. So with the help of Bible League International, she's learning to share her faith, and she's helping to see a church develop closer to her village. Bibles are desperately needed in Africa and around the world right now, and you can send one to a Bibleist believer today for only $5, or $50 will send 10 Bibles. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a banner to click at Janet Mefford. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. A burning issue worthy of public discussion across America is expanding the Supreme Court. Our government was designed to have three independent branches for an effective system of checks and balances. Court expansion would undermine the independence of the judiciary branch and make it a political arm of the legislative branch with partisan results. Watch a new video on the critical importance of the Supreme Court in ending abortion. Visit lifeissues.org and click on the top banner. Hi, this is Janet. It's been exciting to see so many of you help our ministry partner, Heart for Lebanon, this month. We had a goal to help bring the hope of Jesus to 100 families, and I'm so pleased to be able to tell you that to date, over 200 families have been served. We thank God for those of you who participated, but if you didn't have a chance to invest in what God is doing there, it's not too late. Just call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. And it's great to be joined by Dr. Paul Brownback, author of Licensing Selfishness, the Secular and Evangelical Ideology Destroying America. We were talking before the break, Dr. Brownback, about the influence of Carl Rogers, this idea that you just need to self-actualize and, and you know sign on to this unconditional love and acceptance. Now, moving into the evangelical realm, we certainly have inculcated some of those nefarious ideas within the church. Can you talk about some of your concerns, what you're seeing in some areas of evangelicalism that are just mirroring what's going on in the culture? Well, uh, first of all, my concern is that uh, this is extremely widespread and extremely um, um, profoundly held. Uh, We hear a, a pastor say something about, uh, God accepts you unconditionally. There there are some, um, uh, corollaries to that. You don't have to perform. If God accepts you unconditionally, that means you don't have to perform to be accepted by him. Meaning I can live however I please. And, uh, and he's okay with that. And he's okay with me. And he looks down and smiles at me and, and they, they bring in some, theological concepts that they believe support that. For example, uh, they, uh, they teach that when we're saved, God forgives our sin, past, present, and future. And therefore, uh, when he looks on us, he doesn't see our sin. He just sees the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore, how we live does not affect his attitude toward us. Wow. Yeah. You and, can- and then... I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm so sorry. I was going to say you hear that all the time. It's it's antinomianism, is it not? 
Yes, well, and the the idea of uh, again, we we have to have a performance free relationship with God, right? Yeah. Non performance relationship. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing you can do to make God love you less. Very popular expression that that we hear today. And yes, it is antinomianism. And related to that, um, one of the the theological perspectives on this is that the the ultimate antagonist is legalism. Legalism is the worst thing that can happen. We understand that if God accepts us unconditionally, then to say that we have to meet some standard in order to please him is is considered uh, terrible. Yes. So yes. what we have today, though, and, and here's the important point. Uh, in time past, we talked about legalism. Well, we're talking about Christians who who say, well, you shouldn't smoke or you shouldn't drink or you shouldn't go to m- movies or whatever. Uh, today's legalism is different because God accepts us unconditionally. Legalism is any standard that a person must keep in order to please God. Yes. If yes. you say, well, you have to live this way or that way, or you can't cohabit, yes. well, that's legalistic. Oh. It's terrible. I mean, I think right away of Romans chapter six, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How can those of us who have died to sin still live in it? And and you bring up this passage with some of these people who get into this uh, really abuse of God's grace. And they, you're right. They really do see anybody who says, but wait a minute, we are called to holiness. Jesus said that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I mean, what about that? Oh, well, but you know, you, there's nothing we can do. We can't sin our way out of our relationship with God. This takes us dangerous places, though. I mean, I think this is really an attitude that has led to a lot of licentiousness. I mean, look at the abortion rate among evangelicals. Look at the acceptance of homosexuality and either even this so-called homosexual marriage. You're seeing some of the approval ratings within professing evangelicalism. It's shocking to me, but it seems like that's that's the connection, isn't it? Yes, it is. And you you can understand how that works. If if God accepts us unconditionally, if, it, if our relationship with him is not affected at all by our performance, then uh, we are free to live however we want. And and that's affected things like church attendance. Yeah. Uh, now they define church, a regular church attender is somebody who shows up twice a month. Wow. And uh, time was that a regular church attender was somebody who who came three times a weekend, True. but uh, no more. Yeah. No yeah. more. And, and the, uh, the the proliferation of pornography. Yes. And, uh, like say, divorce rate, cohabitation. Uh, a, a big one, and this might be offensive, uh, offensive to a lot of your listeners, but uh, watching movies with nudity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and that's okay. Now. Uh, I mean, it, it's just uh, widely accepted. And, uh, I remember way back when the Playboy magazine first came out, and and uh, only dirty old men uh, would buy that. And, and now here we have Christians looking at nudity in movies, which is even worse. Yeah, yeah. and that's okay. That's how how far our standards have. Uh, have fallen. No, you're totally right. And I say to you listeners, if you're offended by that, be offended. 
because God wants you to be offended. <laughs> because honestly, I mean, it's true. We need to get back to the word of God and what the word of God says about these things, not just what the culture is saying about these things. And and doesn't this also really strike you, Dr. Brownback, that it shows our worldliness, doesn't it? Because really, as Christians, we ought to have that barrier up that when some worldly philosophy is trying to make its way into our churches, we recognize it as Bereans and reject it. The fact that that's not happening in greater numbers really shows how worldly we've become. Well, and that gets back to uh, our uh, playing fast and loose with the Word of God. Yes. Uh, we cherry-pick now. And, and you mentioned earlier, if you point out certain passages to people, well, they just kind of uh, ignore that. And it's incredible when you stop and think of how many countless passages of Scripture this theory violates, yeah. and yet uh, that doesn't seem to bother them. Yeah, right. And that's the tragic thing. I, I challenge people, look, what you need to do is pick up the Word of God and read through it, and read it for the first time. Good. Read it like you've never read it before, and see what it really says. Take off the the cultural glasses and and let it speak for itself. And I believe people would be shocked at what they would find. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. That's that's so important. And it's kind of sad that we even need to say it, but it's very, very true. You know, when you're looking at the problem of selfishness across society, what are some of your thoughts about returning, as you talked about earlier, to agape love, you know, and, and understanding that America's greatness is not just tied to our founding documents or our freedom or our values and principles. Really, those things were byproducts of Christian culture. What are your thoughts on, you know, our repentance and, and you know, restoring things to the way that they ought to be? Well, first of all, the church has to get better. The church has to get healthy. And they have to, they have to purge themselves of this unconditional love and acceptance concept and get back to Scripture. So that's the first thing. When, when you think about the implications of unconditional love and acceptance, it really undermines the authority of God. Yeah. If he accepts us unconditionally, then none of his pronouncements in Scripture have any impact on me because uh, I'm free from all of that. So we, we need to return to the authority of God, the authority of Scripture, and, and that, should, that should bring us to, to repentance. That should bring us to, again, uh, preaching and teaching about sin, which, of course, if God accepts it unconditionally, there's no, there's no point in uh, talking about sin because it's, it's irrelevant. Yep. Uh, and my dear wife keeps saying, you know, this country just needs repentance, mm-hmm. when, and we do. Yeah. But if God accepts us unconditionally, there's nothing to repent of. Sure. <laughs> and, and so we, we have to get rid of that lie first, and then we have to, then we have to, uh, look at our lives, we have to repent of our sin, and we, we have to return to righteous living. Amen. But then, but then as a church, once our, once our uh, strength is renewed, once we re- regain our vitality by getting back to Scripture and repenting and starting to, to live righteous lives, then as a church, I believe we need to do four things. First of all, we need to have unity. We desperately need unity in the church, and by that I'm not talking about all worshiping in the same building or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about unifying in our 
uh, assaulting our, our fighting the culture war. Yeah. We have to, as long as we're splintered, the left is not worried about us. We're, but but if we would be unified, we could make a powerful statement. I think of um, uh, social media these days, and they just keep picking off conservatives one at a time. And the cancel culture, same thing. But if we were unified, we would have the power to fight back. Well, that that is really important. And you can read more about it in the book. It's called Licensing Selfishness, the Secular and Evangelical Ideology Destroying America by Dr. Paul Brownback. Dr. Brownback, thank you so much for your wisdom and for being with us. Really enjoyed your book, and it was great having you here. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Janet, for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. God bless you, Dr. Paul Brownback. Thank you for joining us on Janet Mefford today, and we will see you next time. 